turn with me to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2. Um, I'm going to use that as kind of my launch out today. If you missed last week, I just encourage you uh, to go ahead and um, uh, get it, go online and you can listen to the message from last week. I'd bring out all of the different prophetic words that are being spoken right now. Uh, it's really awesome. Brother Copeland, uh, some of the things, Jerry Savell. Um, people that I admire and follow and listen to. Um, Doug Addison was another one, um, and uh, Cindy Jacobs. And so basically out of all of them, as you listen to the different words that are coming out, that God's going to do marvel signs, and wonders this year. It's pretty much the same across the board. Uh, but here's the thing. He's going to use you to do it. And so uh, you play a role. Thanks for your enthusiasm. You know, we're real good at telling God, will you take care of it? You know, in the Old Testament, one of my favorite uh, testimonies is whenever Ezekiel saw the Valley of Dry Bones. And the Lord said to him, to Ezekiel, well, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, of course, telling, talking to God, I mean, not, if that's not unique enough, uh, he asked, God asked him, can the bones live? And Ezekiel's response back to him was, well, God, you know. And, uh, and what did God say to Ezekiel? Speak to the bones. You start talking to those bones. You command them to come together. Then he said, well, can they live? Can they breathe? And he said, Lord, you know. I don't know. He said, you know whether they can. And he said, I command you to tell the wind to come and breath to enter into them. See, it's easy for us to just say, well, if it's what God wants, you know, then that's what God will do. Well, what if God is saying, what I want, I want you to do. What I want, I want you to do. I got news for you. God isn't coming down from heaven and feeding the poor. He's not. And God is not coming down from heaven to lay hands on the sick. And God is not coming down from heaven to lead anybody to Jesus. But what he is doing is he's enabled his people with his power and his glory and his anointing to go forth and to destroy the works of the adversary. Amen. Your hands, your feet, your mouth, your life, that's what God's going to use. And that's the prophetic word that God has been speaking. And the one we have is, of course, uh, in, right in line with that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, and it says, But as it is written, you hear this one of the m most misquoted verses, uh, by people. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And you know, people will quote this very often, you know, when they're going through stuff and they'll say, uh, especially very religious people, and will say, well, you know, I has not seen, we just can't know, we don't know what God has prepared for us. The word prepare means to prepare, to provide, and to make ready. We don't know what God has prepared for us. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what God's going to do. But here's the thing. You know, sometimes you just got to read a little longer. Because if you look right at the next word, the next verse, the next verse. Now look, English is not my strong suit. Okay? Yeah. No, I know. I know. <laughs> it's okay. No, that's all right. Ushers. No, 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 it's all right. 
But if you, if you just go down just a little, just the next, for those who love him, but, now from what I remember, from 11th grade English composition, that when you use the word but, it is tied directly to what was just said. Is that correct? Does everybody remember that? And so what? it's a what? It's a conjunction. And we're going to the conjunction function today, all right? You have to remember a show that used to be on a long time ago. But a long, long time ago for Saturday cartoons for us. But a conjunction ties what's going to be said with what was just said. All right? He said, look, but God has revealed them to us. Well, I figured I'd get more amens on that. Because, see, it's easy for us to just go, well, we just don't know. We don't know. We don't know what God has for us. We don't know what God's going to do. We don't know what God's plan is. Well, let me tell you something. That's wrong. Because if we get in the Spirit, the reason we don't know, I'm not trying to, like, tick you off right at the beginning of the sermon, but the reason we don't know is because we're listening to too many things but God. We're listening to too much other stuff, and so... We're too, we're too moved by what's going on around us. And look, that's our human nature. You know, the, the, God gave us five physical senses, right? Eyes, ears to hear, eyes to see, a mouth, you know, um, a touch, right? What's the other ones? Smell, right? Uh, taste, okay? Now, those are our five senses, but God also gave you a sixth sense. And that sense is to know the things of the Spirit. To know the things of the Spirit, to understand the things of the Spirit, to, to draw from the things of the Spirit. When we spend more time enabling our five senses and no time enabling our sixth sense, to learn how to use that and to understand it. You know, all of your senses that you, phys- that you have have come through time and learning. You understand, you touch hot stuff, what happens? But I bet you most of us as kids touch something hot. And some of us, even as adults, have touched something that was hot. And what did we learn? Hot stuff hurts, right? We learn with our eyes by what we see. There are all kinds of... It's, it's continual learning that we are doing in perception and understanding through our hearing, through our, through our vision, through our touch, through our taste. You know, the stuff, the, the taste that we experience in our life. You know, the, the, the smells that we have. They say our smell is one of the strongest ones that we have in our lives because once we've smelled something, you know, we never forget that smell. Some of you dope smokers know that. <laughs> Past dope smokers, excuse me. But see, the thing is, is that it takes time and development to, for those senses to understand what's happening, to make perception. You have a sixth sense as well, and that's the spirit. That's that perception of spiritual things, to know the things that God has given to us. And the only way that we can know that is by putting it to work, by applying it, and by coming to a place of understanding. The good news is, he says, look, God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, because the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And he goes on and he just says, look, we can know, the last part of, uh, of the verse there, verse 12 says, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by 
God, that we can know it. Everybody say know it. So look, don't tell me you can't know it. You can't know it. You can know it. But what you have to do is you have to develop it in your life. You have to practice it. You have to apply it. It's interesting about this word because when he used the word here uh, where he spoke and said that God has prepared what God, the things that God has prepared, which means it's already prepared for you. This is already ready for you. The things that God has prepared for us is an, is an oriental metaphor. It's something out of the Orient that is a metaphor which was used to ter- as a terminology for getting the road ready for smooth travel of the king. That's what it means. So what they're saying is, is that before the king would travel from one place to another, there was always a go-ahead that got the roads ready so that it would be smooth travel to get where the king was supposed to get to. Can I tell you that by the Holy Spirit, God has made a smooth way for you to get to where he wants you to get to. Your problem isn't God. Your problem is you. Your problem in your family. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's nothing but you and I who we get so caught up in our own thing, in our own sensual life. When I say sensual, I mean the five senses, that we're not perceiving spiritually what's even going on. That we're not seeing beyond this difficulty, this challenge. And so, you know, I was noticing like people writing for last year, and I don't think it was anybody in the church here, but you know, writing stuff like 2018 sucked, glad 2018 is over, I hated 2018, you know, life stunk in 2018, glad it's a new year, hope it's better. Well, let me tell you something. If you didn't learn from 2018, get ready to repeat 2018 and 2019. See, I like what Mark was saying earlier, you know, are you ready for something different in 2009? Are you ready to move forward into more, into into a greater depth. This has got to be an intentional. God is not resisting you getting better. God is not resisting this. He's already prepared a smooth pathway for you to be everything he's called you to be. Amen. So that's why in sharing this message that the Lord gave me, this was back in, uh, I think it was in early November, he said, this is a year I want people to take off the limits. Take off the limits. In the Old Testament, in the book of Psalm, um, it says that the children of Israel, they limited the Holy One of Israel. You say, well, God can do anything. But obviously, this passage teaches us that God was limited in what He could do because of the Israelite people because of their lack of faith, their lack of trusting in Him. For example, God wanted them to go into the promised land. It was never His intention that they would spend 40 years in the wilderness. You know, He gets the rap that, well, that's His fault, He did that to them. But the problem was is that they did it to themselves. God wanted them to go in. He was ready. In fact, you had two guys in there, Caleb and Joshua, who said, no, now's the time, let's go do this now. We can do this Today, today is the opportunity. Let's go do it right now. But you had 10 spies that had gone in and seen what was there and said no. And the 10 influenced the thousands and thousands, over a million people that were there to say no. We can't do it. They took the heart of the people away. And so the people ended up wandering in the wilderness until that whole generation was gone, except Joshua and Caleb. Now, when we see that, we realize that God was not limiting what was happening the people were limiting. 
What if I told you today that the limitations that you will deal with in 2019 are ones you're putting on God, not God is putting on you? You know, we, we're great at quoting, we're a word of faith church. We'll say all things are possible to those who believe. And then we'll have a litany of things to explain why it's not happening. Because we say we believe that all things are possible, but we've got our reasons why it's not happening. And usually what ends up happening is we're blaming someone else. Look, I'm going to tell you a little secret. If the economy dived this year, dived, I don't believe it will, but if it did dive, you can still prosper. Uh, I mean, you can be, you could have a better year than you had last year. You say, well, I don't believe that. And there's your problem. You know, it's real simple. If you ever saw Star Wars, look, the Grandmaster Yoda, he quoted it to Luke when Luke says, I just don't believe it. And he says, therein lies your problem. Or Chuck, go ahead. Do the voice. See, he can do stuff, but he can't do it when he's called on to do it, see? I'm surprised he didn't already do the voice for Morgan over there. No, he didn't even do that. All right. <laughs> You're so humble, yes. So let's talk about the first thing that you're going to have to do to take off the limits this year. To take off the limits, number one, you've got to, you've got to enlarge your capacity to receive. You've got to enlarge your capacity to receive. Now, in, on your bookmark, there is the passage, Isaiah 54, 2 through 3, but I want you to turn to Genesis 13. Uh, I just was reading this this morning. Maybe you're doing the daily. You know, we have 105 people joining me every day reading through the Bible. That's awesome. I mean, I'm loving it. And a lot of them are writing notes, which is really cool. I, I read every last one of them. But... Uh, Genesis chapter 13. Now, you know, we talk about Abraham. We talk about the miracle of what happened with Abraham. And I, I just wanted you to notice here the, the difference in, in what happens in Abraham's life. You know, Abraham is just separated from Lot. And Abraham had told Lot to lift up his eyes and look where he wanted to go. And verse 10 says, and Lot lifted his eyes and saw the plain of Jordan. Okay, so he decided to go there. But then God shows up in verse 14 after Abram and Lot have separated. This is Genesis 13. And says, lift up your eyes now and look. I want you to underline the word look in your Bible if you haven't underlined it. I want you to look from the place where you are, wherever you're at right now. I want you to look northward, southward, eastward, westward for all the land which you, and then I want you to underline the word see. All the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. I give to you to see. And then I want you to go over to chapter 15 with me in verse uh, 4. In verse 4. And God's talking to, to Abram and he says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, to Abram, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside. Now that's talking about God, brought him outside and said, and what's that next word? Look, look, underline the word look there. Look now toward heaven 
Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then at that point, it says in verse 6, and he believed in the Lord and, his, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We have to enlarge our capacity to see, to see what can happen, the possibilities of what can happen. You know, what we are accustomed to isn't always what God wants us to see in what's happening. If you and I only go from where we are, you know, Abram, I mean, come on, God said, look from the place where you are. Well, if you only look at the place you are, you will never see beyond the place you are. Right? So if you only look at where you're at now, nothing wrong. Look, we should know where we're at. I mean, look, I believe that. You should do an assessment. There, there's nothing wrong with that. You, go, you look at where you are, but then you look at where you want to be, where you want to be. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to expand our thinking, expand our vision because we're taking the limits off, to enlarge our capacity to receive because what you see increases your capacity to receive. Okay? So you're only going to be able to receive and retain what you can see already. I had a guy uh, a couple years ago, um, I was telling Mark about this in the office, he came up to me and he said, he said, Pastor, I'm just about ready to sign a deal. He says, and, and if this deal goes through, I'll be giving a million dollars to the church this year. Okay? And I just said, well, praise the Lord. You know, that'd be awesome. And <clears throat> so he, the deal fell through, obviously, but, but, uh, but he, the Lord said to me, what are you going to do with that, a million dollars? What are you going to do with that? I said, well, I don't know. I've never thought about having a million dollars. I never thought like that. You know how you think? You think about where you are. That's how we think. Well, this is what I have. This is all. And look, that's awesome. You use what you have. You, you develop what you have. But you're not prepared for anything more. And so the Lord said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, okay. So I went into prayer, and I was like, well, I, I, here's what I'm going to do. And so I, I, I outlined it uh, for exactly what I was going to do when that money came in. And it's not important what, to go through the details of that. What's, imp what's important is I wasn't ready for it. And look, you can talk all about what you want God to do in your life, but you're not ready for it. And when you get yourself ready, you have now enlarged your territory. You've enlarged your capacity to receive. You say, well, pastor, I don't want to believe too big because I could get, I might be disappointed. Well, look, I'd rather believe God big and only make half of my goal than to believe God for nothing and make all of my goals. Wow, that's so deep, isn't it? <laughs> no, you got to believe big. Enlarge your capacity to receive. Isaiah chapter 54, just tying in with that, whole idea of what he told Abram is, is that in Isaiah 54, he said, look, verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. 
Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you'll expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither will you be disgraced, for you will, you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood any more. So see, what he's saying is, look, enlarge your capacity to receive, okay? You know, I have ministry students, some of them are here this, uh, this morning, some of them are in with the youth, but uh, that I sit down with, and they're doing a project right now, and I told them each that, okay, I'm going to give you $50,000 to start your ministry. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? And I could tell you this about all of them. None of them have thought before I said that to them, what they would do with $50,000 for ministry until I told them I would give it to them. None of them did. And that's nothing, that's, I'm not putting any kind of blame or fault or accusation. I'm just saying we don't think that way. But what if, what if, can we just throw a what if on your life? What if this is the year that you're, you, you are overwhelmed financially. What if this is the year, that thing you've been believing God for physically, all of a sudden is miraculously turned just like that? And it happened so fast you didn't even get to notice it. All you noticed is it didn't hurt no more. Hallelujah. See, you have to enlarge your capacity. 2019 is the year that God calls us to enlarge the capacity of our thinking, to take off the limitations that we have put upon ourselves that, well, you know, because your limitations are where you are right now. That's, that's the, because you're, we get comfortable in that. We don't think beyond it. And look, I, for those of you that are younger, it doesn't get any easier the older that you get because the older you get, the more settled you get into what you already have. And you stop dreaming and planning and having vision, and that's wrong. That's why, thank God, Mark and Jeannie put that challenge. You know, let's see your goals. Let's see your dream. Let's see where you want to go. And see, when we do that, what we, what we do with our life is we say, okay, now I'm expanding. I'm, even though I'm not there, I am there because I'm already thinking about being there. Most of us here would not know how to act with 100000 bucks in the bank and no bills. We wouldn't know how to act because we've never been there. Because what we are used to is not having 100000 in the bank. We're used to having just enough to get by on and having lots of bills to pay. Well, God wants us to look. God wants us to look to the north. Look to Take the limit off yourself. And begin to look further, expand your tent pegs, expand your ability, expand where you want to go and what you want to do this year. Stop putting those limits on yourself about where you are right now. Your business, if you have a business, listen, your business can be greater than it is right now. All right? I want you to think this year about your business producing uh, uh, $500,000 in revenue this year. Say, man, that'd, that'd be totally awesome. Absolutely, it'd be totally awesome, but you will never get there until you increase 
your capacity to get there. Do you think people that get there, it just happens to them? No way it doesn't just happen. They plan and prepare. And let me tell you a secret. Mark and I were talking about this. Look, when your harvest comes, if you're not ready for it, you will lose it. And missed opportunities always breed regret. I've seen people miss tremendous opportunities because they're so used to being where they are that they can't see beyond getting where they need to go. And so when it comes, they reject it. They, they, they can't live that way. They don't know how to function that way because they've never stretched themselves out. That's good, Pastor. Thank you. That was awesome. All right. Number two, put a breakthrough request before God. What is your breakthrough request this year? What is your breakthrough request? I mean, this is the biggie. What do you believe in big for this year? Now, I talked about this a little bit last week. When we do that a lot, you know, especially for us that might wrestle with some issues in our family, um, in our families, we, we sometimes, that's who we'll put, that's my breakthrough is my family that they'll, you know, but, but remember, that all includes their will as well. So I'm talking about something you'd like to believe God for this year that you can believe for you, for you, okay? I want you to make it personal. You know, like we're on the Dave Ramsey, Sharon and I, we've been following Dave Ramsey's plan. We absolutely believe in it 100%. And Dave Ramsey, you know, the first part of it is to put $1,000 into your emergency fund, which we did a long time ago. And so we have $1,000 we never touch. We just, it's there. Uh, it was amazing how quick we got that thousand. You know, when you set yourself to do something, it's amazing how quick you can do it. And we just decided, okay, we're going to quit eating out. We'll just eat beans and rice. We'll just do, live basic. We'll quit. I mean, look. I tell you, a lot of folks in our church, you're, you're blowing a thousand bucks a month on junk, okay? So just put it in the bank for a month. <laughs> I'm not doing the finance part, Mark. I'll leave that up to you. But yeah, thanks. <laughs> so we did it just like that. It was in the bank, a thousand dollars. So if the water heater blows out, guess what? I got money I don't have to take. I don't have to take my utility bill to pay for a water heater. I got money right there in the bank for that. And it's gone up and down a few times because we've had to use it. That's what it's there for, okay? And then what he tells you, the next thing is you got to get cut up. you got to have plastic surgery. And plastic surgery is we get to cut up all your credit cards. Well, you get to do it. And it's a great victorious thing because when you cut up all your credit cards and you just operate off a debit card or cash, you learn the value of money really fast. I mean, you learn it real fast. So this is the plan that Sharon and I are on. Then after you cut up all your, and we paid off, I can't, I'm not going to get into it, but we paid off a ton of credit card. I mean, we got rid of all our credit cards, man, all of them, okay? And so we have no, we have, people say, what credit card do you, no, I don't use one. I have a debit card, which you can't use that unless you have money in the bank, right? Well, pastor, doesn't it help your credit if you have a credit card? Sure, it helps your credit. But look, I don't care because I don't need credit when I got cash. I got gas and I got cash. So I, you, you, if you've ever seen that commercial, I'm not talking about that kind of gas. I mean, I got. <laughs> no, but look, when you got cash, you don't care whether the, you got a high credit rating or not. So here we go. We, we pay off all that. It's all out of the way. Now what you start paying off is get all your vehicles paid off. Get all your hospital bills, vehicles off. And we're, we're getting close to the end of having all of our vehicles totally paid off cash. We don't owe a penny on them, okay? 
Amen. Now, and then you'd go into something that most people don't think about. You start putting aside a year's salary. But you know, when you get rid of all your credit cards, you can put aside a year's salary. You could do it. Because, you know, you're just nickel and dime yourself. To, I, I love you. I'm just trying to help you, okay? But you, you put aside a year's salary. Then you start paying off, you know, you start paying your house off and on and on. So when we came up with what's our big goal, it was easy to decide what our big goal was, our big believe God, because we already have a plan for how we are financially experiencing freedom in our life. Let me, can I tell you a little secret? Financial freedom doesn't come from having more money. Financial freedom come in, comes from not having any debt. The borrower, the borrower is servant to the lender, right? I mean, you feel the tug of that owner every month whenever they pay your bill, pay your bill. Pay. When you have freedom is when now you have all that money to decide what you want to do with. You've got utilities and stuff, but... You don't have any debt. To, you owe no man anything. Isn't that a great, wouldn't that be a great place to be? Amen. Well, let me tell you something. You won't get there unless you enlarge your capacity to believe for it. What's your breakthrough this year? Is it something physically that you're going to believe for? A breakthrough. Is it something physically, some change that you need to make in your life? What's the big thing that you're going to believe for in your life? And look, I have no issue if you say, well, my big breakthrough is I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year, or my big breakthrough is I'm going to lose 25 pounds, or my a better goal is, is that my big breakthrough this year is I'm going to work out four times a week, and I'm going to start eating better and living. That's awesome. Look, that, that's just as hard as anything to believe for, because you know you've already tried some of that stuff and how hard it is. But you can believe God for it. What's your big breakthrough? Now, here's the other part of this one. Don't think it, ink it. Put it down somewhere. Put it down. Talk to your spouse. If you're single, talk to a friend. And look, you need to talk with somebody about what you're, get people in agreement. Don't talk to people that won't be in agreement. Like there are people, you need to be careful what you tell you. Don't cast your pearl before swine. Don't get yourself in a place where they're going to trample to death. You know, well, I know somebody that was said that and that never happened for them. Well, get those people. You don't want to tell them nothing, okay? They'll be coming later to ask you for money anyway. So, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, if you want to write that verse down, or it's on that card as well. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And we know that he, when we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petition that we have desired of him. You've got to put that out there before God. This is what I am believing. What's your breakthrough and you know, it's funny because we talk about breakthrough years, but it's funny when we talk with folks about what their breakthrough is, how hard it is for people to dis dis distinguish what would be my one big thing this year. What would be my one? Because you know why? Because we don't think that way. Because we think about where we are. Where are you going? Where do you want to be? Put a breakthrough request before God. Number three. Set your mind or dwell on the unlimited power that God gives us for his purpose. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It doesn't get any bigger than this. This is in Ephesians. I want you to go in your Bible with me to this one. Ephesians 3.20. You see that's up there on the screen as well for take off the limits. 
Now, this is in a prayer that Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus. And he said, now to him, to Jesus Christ, to God Almighty, who is able to do. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. Stop. Most Christians, this is exactly how they'll read this verse. That's as far as they will go. Al, I believe God can do anything. I believe God wants, I believe God has all power. I believe He is almighty. He's, he's able to do anything above what I ask or think. But look at the next part of this, because the verse didn't stop. According to the power that works in us. Where is He going to do this? From in you. He's going to release that power in you to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can God do abundantly and above anything you could even ask or think? Absolutely. But the release of what he wants to do isn't coming out of heaven. It's coming out of you. Because it's in you. Say it. It's in me. Think of how that changes things now. It's in me. The power to change your destiny, God has put inside of you. Your future financial success is inside of you. It's in you. Your future healing is in you. It's there in you, and it's according to that power that's at work inside of us, that ability that's in there that's revealed by the Spirit, and that work that happens as that is released in our lives that God's going to bring about His will in your life. He's going to use you. You get to be part. And you know how cool is that, that you get to be part of the miracle as he works through you. We have to dwell on this. We have to think about this. How does that change anything in your life right now? I mean, seriously, some of you have some great big crises that you're facing right now. And here's the deal. How does that change? As you dwell on that, how does that change what God, what could happen in your future because you have this incredible ability inside of you, the ability that can do exceeding abundantly above everything you could ask or think, how does that change anything in your future? You have to answer that question. I can't answer it for you. Number four, you got to remove the negative limitations. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Philippians 4 verse 8 tells us, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. I don't know how many of you listen to Family Life Radio. Has anybody ever? Family Life Radio puts a challenge out this time of year, every year, and they call it the 30-day challenge. And the 30-day challenge is to only listen to Christian music on their station for 30 days. Okay? For 30 days. And the reason that they do that is because, uh, because one, they definitely, uh, through the years, have put their music into a much more of a faith uh, operational music and worship and praise, okay? Uh, and they tell you that, that because they know that if you set your mind on heavenly things, you'll stop setting your mind on earthly things. You'll stop letting. Think of that. If the only music you listen to, and I'm not talking about necessarily you tune into family life, you know, 24-7, and that's all you listen to. But what if that you only listen to music this year that built your faith, that built your faith? What if, the, what if you determined that the only place that you were going 
to get the news this year was the good news. Your Bible. You say, well, I'd, I'd be my, I have my head buried in the sand. No, you won't. First of all, you'll have enough people around you telling you what the news says, so you will always know what's going on. You'll have, no, you'll have great ability to know that, okay? Second of all, you will be a voice of light in the midst of the darkness. See, it's that focus of our lives. When we focus on everything that's wrong, we can only predict in our lives how despair, how much despair and how much depression and how much discouragement we will experience. When we focus on what God has decreed and what God has said is possible, then it is only in that environment that we can actually put ourselves into that place where we can see things from a much more powerful position. I was one time talking to a pastor friend of mine, and I was telling him about I was flying, I was going to be flying to India. And you know, India, it's a, like a, to get to India, Sharon and I were flying to do mission work there, and to get to India, it was like 30 hours of flying to get there. And then it was 40 hours to fly home. And so this pastor friend of mine, I was kind of whining about it, you know, because you get that, you know, poor me, humble servant of the Lord, suffering for Jesus mentality. And uh, I know you've never had that, okay, so, but... You know, I'm telling him just how sad, I, you know, I got to do all this traveling and I don't really like flying on airplanes and I don't like how cramped I am on the planes. And, and here's what he said back to me. He says, yeah, man, isn't it something we have to suffer for 30 hours watching movies that are out on the cinema right now that you get to watch for free. We get, to, we get three nice hot meals a day served and catered to us. All the coffee we want to drink. We have bathrooms right down the hallway. We have this environment where we're sitting and we totally have control over how cool or how hot it is. Yeah, we're really suffering, aren't we? I said, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Get that out of here. You got to remove the negative limitations. Because... Can I tell you a secret? You'll talk yourself into anything, good or bad. Your brain, your heart is so powerful that you could talk yourself out of anything or into anything. Okay? You know, when I, when I made a decision to work out and do it consistently, I had all kinds of offerings from my body and my past to convince me that I really shouldn't do that right? I really shouldn't run. You know, I'm a big guy. I'm 60 years old. Come on, you should just, this should be the easiest time of your life. Let me tell you, if you don't take care of yourself at 60, you're heading into the worst years of your life. Truthfully, you got to take care of yourself. So, you know, I get up and go play basketball with guys at 530 in the morning and let them beat on me and have fun and, and run up and down the court. And I, guess what? I get leg cramps. Why would you do that to yourself? Because I want to live a long, prosperous, healthy life. I go down to Joe's torture tra chamber once a week. <laughs> go through whatever he wants to put me through, you know. And I mean, it's never easy, ever. It's never easy. My wife said to me one time, why do you keep going? It's so hard. Why do you keep doing it? And I said, because I need it. I need it. I need it because... This is the only pathway to get where I want to go. 
It's the only pathway to get where I want to go. It's the only. It is the only. When you find the miracle pill that will get me there quicker, please, I'll be the first to buy it. <laughs> Price is not a ma- not, does not matter. But until then, this is the only pathway that is available. But let me tell you, when it's dark in the wintertime and it's 15 degrees outside and I'm thinking that there's a tyrant in Saginaw who wants to put me through the torture and I'm laying, I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking how nice it would be just to get a cup of coffee. Have you ever been there? And your mind will start talking to you. Oh, you feel how sore you are, how tired you are how early this is, how dark it is outside, how cold it is, how nasty it is, how that, well, they did say that there might have been some snow that fell overnight and how that it's really not, you know, conducive and it's going to be cold and you could get hypothermia and blah, blah, blah. And your brain will just keep talking to you and keep talking to you and keep talking to you. And the next thing you know, yeah, you won't do it. You won't do it. Some of you do that to come to church. The big difference between today's Christian and yesterday's Christian is yesterday's Christian was getting ready for church on Saturday. Today's Christian gets ready on Sunday morning. In the Christian home, in yesterday's world, Saturday, everybody was getting everything prepared. What are you wearing tomorrow? What are we going to do? And look, when you get things ready for what you're going to do tomorrow morning, it's hard not to do it. It's just really hard not to do it. And so we get ourselves, man, we, we'd had to, might, you know, get, make sure our shirt is ironed, make sure you didn't do that Sunday. You had all that done on Saturday night. You know, you, the women had dippity-doo in their hair and curlers, and they were all, do they, do they still have dippity-doo? I don't even know if that's around anymore. And I'm really dating my age here. But, you know, every, everybody was ready. You know, everybody was ready. And so when you got up on Sunday morning, you already knew exactly what you were going to do. I don't wait, as the pastor, of course, I can't afford to do that, but I don't wait till Sunday morning to decide. I don't wait until the next the morning I'm supposed to work out to decide if I'm going to work out. I already decided it the night before. You got to get rid of limitations. Last point with this one. Sometimes limitations are people. Now, you can't get rid of people in your life. I I realize, you know, you can't, especially if they're family. Oh, my goodness, you know. You don't get to choose your family. But here's the thing. You can be careful what you tell people, what you let them be involved in. Sharon and I, we believe for big things, but our family most of the time has no idea. And look, and, and even with our church family, we very seldom ever talk about what we're going through until we're through it. And there's a big reason for that. One, because we don't know always where people's faith is, is with us, and we don't need people to not be in faith with us. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we make sure always that, look, when we're going to, like, you know, people are like, well, when are you going to talk about that from the pulpit? I said, I'm not until I'm through it. Then when I'm better and when I'm through it, then listen, I'll be ready to talk about it. But that doesn't mean I'm not believing and fighting. And there are people that I know will come in line with me and stand with me, and I'll have them involved in my life. But I don't let everybody into everything. And let me tell you a secret, neither should you. Neither should you. Just be careful with that part because people can become a limitation. 
And you know who they are in your family. Every time you try to talk about some great idea that you're working on or you're thinking about or you're dreaming about, they're the first ones to come back at you with, well, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a good idea. I don't think you should. And they'll just try to talk you right out of it. Now, I know they do it because they love you and because they care for you and they want to watch out for you. But you've got to realize that you, get, you have to remember just that you've got to keep negative things away from you. Okay? Fifth one and we're done. No amens. Wow, you must want me to go longer. <laughs> Magnify the Lord over your family, over your life, over your business, over all things that you have to do with. Magnify the Lord over your family, over your life. If you look at Psalm 34 and verse 3 in the Old Testament, Psalm 34. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I've got another passage for you, Psalm 69 and verse 30. I know I go quick through these guys that if you're having trouble finding them. 69 and 30. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. And then Acts chapter 10 verse 46 says, Then they, be, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify the Lord. Um, I guess just to add with this about magnifying the Lord. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 67 with me. And I want you to look at verse, um, I want you to look at verse 6 with me. And we'll close with this. Are you all getting anything out of this today? All right. Psalm 67 and verse 6. And I apologize, I'm at verse 5 too. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. Then verse 6. Then the earth shall yield her increase. And God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. I want you to notice how that the harvest increase was directly tied to the praise that was being offered. So here's, here's my challenge for you as we finish up this morning. Let the level of your praise match the level of your need. Let the level of your praise match the level of your need. You know, if you have a need, and we all have them, challenges, physical Spiritual challenges, mental, oh my gosh, you know. Someday I'll write a book about overcoming depression. Um, you know, my family has a history of depression. Most people don't know that I've battled through horrible bouts of depression in ministry, and in my, my wife is the only one really who has seen that, but just the battles that you go through. Stuff, I don't want to think that way. I don't want to be that way, but, you know, even though you don't want to be that way and you don't want to think that way, you still do. And it can be a battle to get out of it. And any of you that have battled depression know that's true. And, um, you know, when, when, when we are in a place of depression in our lives, when we're in a place of mental anguish in our life, a place of frustration, the best thing that we can do, physical, financial, is to set our mind on something different than what we're dealing with right now. And giving praise and magnifying the Lord. You know, when I was a kid, 
my, my parents one year bought me a microscope. I love science as a kid. I absolutely love science. Man, I had a telescope. I had a microscope. I had a chemistry lab. I know that's a scary thought. Um, I had a biology kit, you know, where we could dissect frogs and worms. And I mean, I loved every, I had those, remember the kits you used to buy that you could actually build a radio and you put the wires together? I love that kind of stuff. I mean, it just, science just totally, absolutely uh, intrigued me. But on that, on that telescope and on that microscope, there's a thing on there that you, you are in control of the magnification, Okay. You can look at things from one magnification, or you can increase the magnification. And of course, me, you know, as a young, inquisitive young man, I want to see things at the highest magnification that I can, okay? I mean, if, there, if I'm going to poke my finger and put blood on a slide, I want to see the blood moving on the slide. I want to see light. I want to see something happening, right? I want to see the fly wing as close as I can. I want to see the ant tentacles and the hairs on the ant. I want to see all of it. I want the highest magnification. If I'm going to look at the moon, I want to be able to see every aspect of it. To do that, I have to increase my magnification, correct? To make that possible. Well, that's what God is saying to you. If you want to see these things turn in your life, you're going to have to increase your magnification. Not increase your magnification of the problem, but increase your magnification of God over that situation. And the way that you do that is by praising God in the midst of whatever's going on. That your harvest is directly tied to the praise that you're offering as you praise Him. Or we could say it like this. If you can't praise Him for it, you cannot receive it. Praise precedes the blessing or the provision. Praise precedes the provision. Praise. Somebody says, well, how do you know if you have faith? Because you're praising God for what, what, what you're believing for. Well, yeah, but, 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 but what, if I'm, what if I'm not praising Him? Then you're not believing for it. You're hoping for it. But when you praise Him, you believe that that's going to happen. Amen. Like, look, I can praise God today with joy. Because I know that every one of my kids is going to serve God all the days of their life and never depart from His truth, and they're going to walk with Him. You say, well, are they doing it? That's not the question. The question is, God bigger than what they are doing? And absolutely, He is. I can praise God that He's working in my grandkids' lives. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to give a great testimony about our children's ministry. This is so awesome. My little granddaughter, she doesn't attend church where she's at, and but when she comes here, she comes to church with us. All week long, I had to listen to her in the back of the car sing this song. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And you know, when a kid sings that, you're like, oh, isn't that sweet? But after about the millionth time, you're like, You know what? She'll go home. Huh? She'll get around her mommy and her daddy. She says, she says uh, to us, she says, well, you know, my daddy doesn't believe in Jesus yet. She said, well, don't you worry about it, honey. He will. You just live for Jesus. You just praise Jesus. It's okay. It's all right. So I love Jesus. 
How blessed was it for me this last week to take my grandkids to school, Mason and Torrance, and they sang praise songs all the way to school, from my house to the school. Huh? They could have been singing songs, you know, off the country station, blue despair and agony on me, and, you know, and I lost my dog and my cat died, and my horse ran off, and <laughs> my wife left with my best friend and everything. You know, I mean, they could have done all that. But what are they doing? They're, praise, they're praising God. Does it really make a difference? Well, I'm going to tell you what, it does make a difference because they are magnifying God over their lives. My little granddaughter, her experience with Jesus will change her life forever. Forever. She's going to go to school probably tomorrow and sing, I love Jesus. Teach other kids that song, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. Well, I love Jesus. How about you? Say, so, well, she doesn't even know what that means. Who cares? You know a whole lot of stuff you don't know what it means. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking about you now. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Stand up with me if you would. Thank you, Father. Magnify the Lord. Could we just do that just for a moment? We don't need to have the worship team come. I just want you to close your eyes with me. And I want you to think about right now a situation in your life that, that's troubling to you. It's a, it could be physical. It could be some family situation. It could be your business that you're dealing with. It could be a decision you're about to make. And... Uh, I just want you just to take a minute. When you're ready, when you're ready, as you think about that situation, um, I want you just to lift your hands and begin to magnify the Lord over that situation. When you're ready to do that, you go ahead and do that. That's between you and that's between you and that, you and God. When you're ready, that situation, you get that in your head. This is what it is. This is what I'm dealing with. Maybe something in your future, something that's coming up this year, big decision. But when you're ready. At that point, and you're ready to release God over that, you're just saying, Lord, I'm going to magnify you over that situation. I want you to lift your hands and just begin to magnify the Lord. You don't have to, like, shout out or anything. Just, just begin to praise God that he's greater. He's greater than that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That physical thing, that report that you've received, Lord, you're greater. We magnify you today. I love what the psalmist said. Come magnify the Lord with me. Come on, magnify the Lord with me today. Let's increase that magnification of God in that situation and stop magnifying on what's wrong, but magnify on who has the answer. God, we praise you. Lord, thank you. We magnify you today, Lord God. We magnify you. We magnify you. You can go ahead and put your hands down if you would. And just close your eyes for a moment with me if you would. Uh, this morning, I just as we start this new year, I want to give you this opportunity. You know, if your life, if your life is not right with God, there is no condemnation here at all towards you. We've all been in that place. We all know what that feels like. Uh, unfortunately, I've been in that place a bunch of times in my life. But here's what I do know. 
that God in his grace and his goodness receives us gladly when we turn to him and that he does not hold our sins against us, but he offers to us freely forgiveness and he offers us new life. And this morning, if you would say, Pastor, look, while heads are bowed now, nobody's looking around, you say, my life is not right with God. I know it's not right with God. But this morning, I want to take that step and make things right with the Lord here to start my new year. And all I'm going to ask you to do around the building, we'll all pray together in just a few moments, but all through the building, I'm going to ask you if you just make eye contact with me. If you just look up, thank you, thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Is there anyone else here today? Thank you. Is there anyone else here today? Thank you, sir. Anyone else here this morning that would say, yes, I want to get my life right with God. I want to do that today. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else here today? Thank you. Awesome, man. Excellent. Thank you. Anyone else? Man, I lost count, but thank you. Awesome. Tremendous. Anyone else? Good. There's nine. Thank you, sir. Amen. Ten. Anyone else here today? I don't want to miss anybody. I want to make sure. Eleven. Twelve. Eight. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We don't want to, we don't want to, you know, make an eye contact and go get you saved, obviously, get you right, get things straightened out, but, but it gets you on that. We're going to pray together. That's your acknowledgement here today. Is there anyone else join these 12 that would say, yeah, that's me. Thanks, Dale, for helping me. Anyone else? Just make eye contact with me. That's good. Awesome. All right, let's pray together. Amen. Could we join hands today? Would that be all right? It's okay, we can do that, because we're the family of God, amen, hallelujah. We're all going to pray together, thank you, Lord. You can cross the aisles here, guys, if you want to. Say this out loud with me, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I want you more than anything, and I thank you as I turn away from my past life, and I turn to you, you give me new life. I need you, Jesus. I need you this year to help me. I'm not repeating last year. It's a new day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me, writing my name in the book of life, and giving me a place in heaven and placing your Holy Spirit within me. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a good hand for these 12 today. Amen. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Praise the Lord. All right. We, uh, uh, I don't know how to close.